Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I'm David Reed. This is Merrick Larwood. Happy Valentine's Day, David. Happy Valentine's Day to you too, Merrick. Is it Valentine's Day? We're technically, we are just recording this like a day or so beforehand, but today is Valentine's Day. Then I'm glad I'm spending it with you. Yeah. That's good. And what do you think of my present I'm going to get you? <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't want to guess what it is, but uh, I mean, it's certainly not a CD from a, something shaped like that. No. Um... <laughs> It's something that's been pummeled into a CD shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it breathing? It looks like it's breathing. Now, what would you do if I got a tattoo of you? Where would you get it? But it was just weird, like on my on my calf muscle. Okay, but of my face. Yeah. And what would I do? It, yeah, if I just said I've got this, I hope you don't mind, and I pulled up. My... <laughs> I think um, <laughs> against your hopes, I would mind. Okay. I, th- I think our friendship would become sort of terse and then distant. In that that sort of um, strange sounds in the background is Buddy, um, David's dog, who's very excitable today. So if you hear any odd sounds, um, this that was me, but was other sounds like that, it, 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 it's not me getting excited about films. Anyway, back to the tattoo quickly. So would you force me to... Oh, I can't force you to do anything. Your body is your business, Marek, but I would I would question why you, you'd want it done. You know, it's for life. A tattoo's okay. for life. Well, I'll just leave my trousers down then today. I mean, well, not down, but in... <laughs> my face will age and crag like a like um, a painting in an attic, whereas your calf tattoo will stay youthful forever. Yeah, you're right. It might sag a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about um, <laughs> tattooing each other's faces onto our body parts. Not this week. We're here to talk about films. Um, and we've we've seen some more films this week. We are still on the road to the Oscars. I'm sorry if you're not a fan of the Oscars and we keep banging on about it, but it's it's sort of a neat format point. Um, but we've just been trying to catch up with as many of the Oscar nominees as we can. Um, to that end, Marit, you've been to the cinema this week. Yes, I went to the cinema. Um, I went to uh, my local muscle hell audience. No mis- favourite. No mistakes this week. Hey, they, they're clearly fans of the show. Um, uh, it's my local cinema I, I go to. It's generally, something bad uh, wrong happens whenever I go there. Um, although I did see some people did the, the most annoying thing possible to other people, oh. which is you know it's a pretty empty cinema. It's about so it's about it was it's a three screen cinema. Yeah. In the smaller one, of the smaller screens. Now, and they, they sat next people. to them. 
Well, there was there was loads of space. Yeah. And there was just two rows where there was two people and then one person, and they went and sat in front just. Oh, the that's only... the worst. Everyone knows that if if uh, there's very few people in, but you want to sit somewhere in the middle, yeah. you sit one to the side. It was the Everyone most knows incredible. That. I got annoyed for the people. <laughs> this poor woman who was sitting there, I think, what, are you crazy? And they came in literally as the, uh, what was it, what's it called? The, the screen. Not the screen, but the, actually that bit when they put the, um, what the age certificate is and the signing, but the locals of... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, is the name for that? I don't know. I guess it's the certificate, is it? The certificate comes up yeah. and they came in just then and just sat there right in front of it. <laughs> I would have said something. Yeah. Anyway, I went to see Dallas Buyers Club, which has been nominated for an Oscar. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is nominated for Best Actor in it. Jared Leto is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, it is directed by Jean-Marc Vallée, and I've had pronounced properly. Um, so it's based on a true story about uh, this sort of guy called Ron uh, Woodruff. Woodruff? Woodruff. Uh, and he's he is sort of... Uh, an electrician he lives in a trailer park. He's a bit of a uh, sort of um, wide boy. Yeah, and uh, he works at the. Um, he's a gobshite. Yeah, he works at the <laughs> local rodeo place as well. So, and he has sex with lots of women. Anyway, um, he contracts AIDS uh, or HIV, HIV positive, which he finds out after he gets uh, knocked out or, or he collapses. And and the story is. Um, that he's given this is all in the trailer so I'm not spoiling it Um, uh, he's got 30 days to live the doctors say and they prescribe this drug called AZT and he thinks it's having a bad effect on him so he basically locates another drug through a series of incidents that happen and ships that back in to America and it's unlicensed isn't it And it's unlicensed by the FDA which is the uh, Federal um, Drugs Authority I think it's called um, so he, even though it's not illegal, it's unlicensed, so you can't sell it. So it's he, a big business in the states as well. Isn't yeah, it? and he oh, ships it back and um, forms this club where people join the club and pay for membership rather than selling it. So it's about his story, really. And Jared Leto's uh, uh, plays a gay sort of a transsexual, is it? Transvestite sort of. Transvestites when they've um, when they dress up, yeah. but transsexuals when they've had operations. Yeah. Is he not a transsexual in that? He's trans. You Former. never see. You never see him at urinal, which is always a good way of testing someone. It is a good way of testing someone. If you if you doubt the woman you're dating, send her to uh, have a weird urinal. See what she does. Yeah. <laughs> it's what Columbo would. do. I hate that laugh. It's when I sit when I listen back to this, I hear myself. And I want to punch myself in the face. Um. Luckily, you can at that moment. I can. Yeah. <laughs> I normally listen back to it at the gym to check to how and get how and see how annoyed I get with myself. Oh, you can really get a burn on listening to the Film Fandango podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm rowing. So if you want, to, if you want to know what you're doing, but I'm normally rowing, listening to my own voice. It'll be quite, it'll be quite a surreal moment next week um, on Valentine's Day. Why don't you play a cox? Uh, why don't you just give yourself yeah, a few strokes right now? I'd... Heave, heave. I'll do that. Come on, Marek, you can do it. Um, so this film is. Probably, I think one of the best I've seen uh, of the Oscar nominees I've seen. Really impressive. I think Matthew McConaughey 
as and he's done he's he was in mud last year and he's sort of been on it's noted that he started to move away from his romantic roles well st- stop playing the straight man and starting to play the interesting characters i mean people talked about um how good he was in Wolf of Wall Street as well just how sort of strange and weird and funny well in Wolf um, of Wall Street we talked about that last week he's he lost um tons and tons of weight so he looks physically ill in this and he, he's the skin is just hanging yeah, off his yeah. skeletal form it looks like a sort of uh, sick little bird yeah it, it's, it's odd how it completely transforms him losing that weight yeah yeah and he becomes just uh, it's just he is an incredible performance and it doesn't the exposition there's no exposition in it where it doesn't overtell the story it's all done in looks it's, it's directed really really well where just a small movement or um, a look here explains it. Uh, it d- does what, you know, in some poor films, a script will take ages to do. Jared Leto's quite incredible. Really? Yeah. Because he's somebody who's never really shown off before. He's always played the pretty boy. Yeah. You know, he's uh, Fight Club. He He's utterly forgettable, really, apart from for a scene where he's beaten to a pulp for being pretty. Like, mm. it's not... It's not a scene he excels in. It's just something that happens to his character. Well, stop. And he was the he was the uh, boyfriend in uh, my so-called life that launched the career of Claire Danes back in the nineties. Yeah, he's in that um, weird drugs film, wasn't it called? What's the one that people like? I can't remember what it's called. I don't know. Some listeners will know some weird um, bit when he plays a drug addict. which is quite uh, well liked. I didn't really like it. Anyway, he um, basically. Matthew McConaughey comes from a really sort of homophobic, sort of anti-gay, sort of where men are men yeah. sort of area. So he, his pairing with Jared Leto is really interesting to watch in the fact that they hate each other. It's quite comic as well, the looks between them. And it's an odd relationship, isn't it? It's that they fall in love. It's two completely disparate people forced into a situation because of the disease they have. Yes. And they get along and have a great on-screen chemistry. And I think they should... They're both nominated for Oscars, and I think they should... On the basis of what I've seen, I think they should both win. Wow! So, and you said this is your favourite film out of the Oscars. I think Captain lot Phillips well. is very good. I think this is um, the only, my only fault in this is a change from at the start. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's character Ron Woodruff is quite monstrous, right? And at the end, he's almost too that monster. The monster disappears entirely. Yeah, yeah. And I think whether that's realistic because at the start he is very, very. Uh, Unlikable, um, but it's such a brave performance and it's compelling to watch and sad and um, educational as well. I think one man's f- fight for what he against the system, which is I've done quite a lot in films, but um, yeah, yeah, it's all based on a true story. And the FDA were using a drug which was toxic, and they stopped this man. They stopped people from having vitamins to be able, you know and yeah. things to be able to actually improve their lives it, it was it was when's it set when was this story it it must be in the 80s i think okay it must be in the, oh, 1985 it's set in 1985 dallas okay um it's one, it's it's one from the trailer i i really wanted to go and see and i i still will go and see it like it's it certainly strikes me as one of the more interesting offers for the oscar for best film this year because the others all seem fairly safe bets for a nomination apart from American Hustle that doesn't really make any sense why it's got one but yeah I think um, the difference between American Hustle and Wolf on Wall Street and this 
And I suppose you can compare it quite a lot to The Wolf of Wall Street, because that's a true story as well. Yeah. Where that was more gratuitous and more showy. I really felt that the uh, story was told well, and I didn't feel it was... It's a fine line between actors looking like they're doing a, amazing acting, looking like they're thinking they're doing the amazing acting. I'll give my example of this. It's like yeah. Nicole Kidman, in recent years, is the prime example of someone, when they're acting, I can't watch her without thinking about her almost watching herself thinking yes. how great she is very self-conscious vanity acting Nicole that, Kidman I think it's odd, is it just yeah. me is it no you? no no I've always found her like that I can't watch her in anything either um, I, I always find her very um, am I in my light yes I'm in my light um, I can almost I'm going see to be that. serious now. You can see the cogs moving in her eyes. Like, yeah, yeah. Is that just us projecting that onto her or not? Or? Well, there's, there's a, maybe it is, but there's some quality she's giving off where I don't believe a word of it. And mm. I, I never have done. I find her very self-conscious. Is anyone else like that? I'm sure there are. I mean, there are people who are just wooden, but that's a slightly different thing. Yeah. Um, this is worse than being wooden, that sort of acting where you... And I think there's... Tiny touches of it in American Hustle at points, mm. and that's what put me off it. I don't know if I'm just if I've gone crazy. No, no, I don't think I don't think you have. I, I, I think it's not being wooden. It's not being unable to act. It's the fact you're transparently a liar. I think is yeah. what comes across. You just go, no, rubbish, rubbish. You don't care about him. You're not sad about that. Rubbish. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think who else, but she's definitely my number one I can, culprit when I for watch it. Her, I almost see her just walk in her imagination, walking up that award, the steps to pick up her. <laughs> it's really odd. Halle Berry's a bit like that. I find okay. she's a bit better. She's a bit, she's better, but she is a bit like that. I find her very kind of yeah. I'm going to be really moved by this next moment. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I find her a bit cringy. I think maybe what helped, maybe the weight loss in in Dallas Buyers Club did help the fact that he does look ill mm. and is transformed. And it's shocking to see that. It's shocking to see actors like um, Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto just completely transformed by yeah. this skeletal, their skeletal features. It's interesting, isn't it? The, the weight loss and gain. I mean, what must it do to the actors psychologically so that they are genuinely in a different mindset and mind space when they're performing than they were previously in the bodies they were comfortable with. Well, Christian Bale does it a bit. He does it quite a lot. In the Machinist, was it Machinist? Machinist is when he really lost all of that weight. But, um, and then bulking up to play Batman to a size he simply wasn't previously and all of this stuff. And then Charlize Theron in Monster, of course, famously putting on loads of weight to be almost unrecognisable. Yeah. Um, it's odd, isn't it? I mean, some... The press tend to treat it just a bit like a stunt, almost like it's part of the publicity machine, not part of the the film itself. But I, I tend to not agree with that. I think it it can be very powerful or shocking to see somebody you're so used to being, you know, in the public eye, looking so different. Yeah. I think that that that's what and I think that's what it was. It unsettles you immediately, yeah. and you start to take notice. But that, that, that's the first, your very first impression is you're shocked by yeah. seeing someone's phys- the, the chain physically. I, mean, I can't remember Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. He didn't really lose weight. He just got pale. Today. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. It's been so long since I've seen it. It'd be interesting to watch that again and see yeah. whether that interpretation of of AIDS has dated or been yeah. sort of has changed. It's impressive in Raging Bull as well. You know where he goes from being so muscly to so fat. But Robert De Niro's extreme almost looks like a fat suit. It is so extreme. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, 
No, it is. It is interesting. And I do... It is a lot more affecting than prosthetics. Prosthetics always take me out of the the, the fiction. And in... Uh, we're talking about um, American Hustle and Christian Bale. He's got a fake belly yeah. in that, which just looks like a slab of plastic. Does it? It's odd. Like a, think, like a fake pregnancy suit he's yeah, got just, on. Yeah, just... It's, you've got... You can tell if so, it's someone's belly. You can see it just in the jowls or in, you know, the problem is, around yeah, the eyes. Whole, it affects the whole weight of your whole yeah. body. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be impressive if someone could just put it on well, my around dad does the waist. Really? Just it's incredible. It at the waist. His waist is... Uh, uh, my family have got uh, just really big bellies. I'm trying to fight it. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Keep rowing, Mary. Keep rowing. Um, but... Uh, Jared Leto apparently got stayed in character for the whole of um, for the whole of this film, of a whole of filming for this. Wow. I went a bit mental afterwards and had to. I saw a good interview on the Graham Norton show, which for people who don't listen uh, in the UK is like a chat show. It's like our Conan or Letterman equivalent, yeah. really, I guess. And Matthew McConaughey was talking about the weight loss there, and he was quite saying he did it gradually, and it was done really, really healthily. So it wasn't a big thing it was over over a period of yeah of months but he said that Jared later went a bit sort of nuts doing it because yeah. he got so into character it was that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler joke about um, his weight loss saying Matthew McConaughey lost 40 pounds to be in Bi- Dallas Buyers Club or as women call it being in a movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes that does say to me um, yeah I think it's uh, is it <sighs> what? what you've got bored with your own words or thoughts I don't think fast enough to actually be able to think and talk at the same time I've noticed that <laughs> I'm sure you can go back and cut that bit won't you sure yeah you won't yeah I'll definitely do that a lot of the time in this podcast I find I say you'll cut that bit and it's still there I only <laughs> cut the hate crimes <laughs> oh, okay um, yes yeah, so I really recommend this film I think it's great I think it's um, it's not patronising about sort of uh, homosexuality either um, it feels an honest it doesn't feel too actory and the performances are great and uh, it's a good film a really really good film um, we'll do our proper Oscar predictions in two weeks time before the Oscars but you said you 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 would want them I know I realise this is different to your actual predictions but you yeah. would want Matthew McConaughey Jared Leto and Dallas Buyers Club to win uh, to I get... don't I think I still haven't seen her or Philomena and I think Captain Phillips is a good film I think but action films are never trendy you know they're never cool enough to win I think um, my favourite film was still Blue is Almost Colour but that wasn't even put forward for not for even the... Best Foreign Language no, they didn't enter it ah that's okay. why I found out that, so okay. that's still the best film I've seen. Um, I think, in terms of male performances, which I think haven't been as good as a lot of female candidates this year, Yeah. Um, other than Tom Hanks, I think that Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto should get it. Uh, Leto's got all the uh, press and yeah. buzz, but I think to carry a film, with, which McConaughey does... Yeah is a bigger achievement to sustain over that yeah. length of time. And to dare to carry a film and be interesting, to be flawed and and strange. Like, yeah. it's so safe to be... Uh, stop squeaking that crocodile. It's so safe to uh, just play the everyman, you know, straight down the line character yeah. and know that the audience won't find you offensive or unlikable. But to then actually dare to be interesting in the leading role, I think, is 
worthy of praise. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, um, how many Mariks? I give it. I'm looking at my film book now. What did I give Don't it? Don't look back over your thing. I was, I was torn between eight and nine. Okay. Eight and a half? High. Very high. A high eight and a my half. Only, my only problem was he was a monster at the start and he was he plays it brilliantly. Where the, where the, and I know it's harder when you're doing a biopic, biopic, I don't know how you say it, to, because you can't, uh, you can't, you've got some some poetic license to change things. We have yes, to be, but it has to be believable. Yeah. Otherwise, you break your story. Yeah. Okay. But that's that's high praise indeed. Um, have we got any letters? Yes, we've got some letters. Who who from these letters? Well, do you know what? What? We always like hearing from people um, who listen to our podcast all around the world. That's right. Someone's written in from a very special place. Well, do you want to read this one? I've been talking a lot, so maybe you should read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fine. What accent shall I do it in? Uh, do they say... Well, I think he's. it's from Antarctica, so just do it cold. Really cold. As if, as if, you, no, as if you're cold. Oh, as if I'm actually cold. Yeah, let's move it. Let's go do that thing. Uh, David, Danielle and Marek. Danielle's not with us anymore, sorry. About six months ago. Six months. She's up. <laughs> she was back there, wasn't she? Yeah. I thought I'd send a quick note of thanks for keeping me entertained while I spend long hours in the field watching and counting penguins down on Bird Island, South Georgia. With very limited internet, I have to rely on a friend sending me podcasts and new films once or twice a year. Hence, I'm some way behind on both, which actually syncs them up pretty well. We have film nights here twice a week and it's been fun catching up with some less well-known recommendations. During the winter, each year there is a 48-hour film festival where all the bases of various nationalities are invited to create a five-minute film over a weekend. This can be on absolutely anything, but has to include five elements. A character, line, objects, etc. We had great fun making and watching them all. Ours can be found here. We will post the link up on our Facebook page. Uh... Along with a few of my favourites, keep up the good work, Jerry from the Arctic base. How uh, the Arctic cool. or Antarctic? And Ant- what was it? It was the one with the penguins. So Antarctic, Antarctic Incredible. base, amazing, amazing. And thank you for sending your off those films. Great, they're really great. Um, we will post them. We'll post them on Facebook for all of our listeners to uh, enjoy as well. Um, Maybe that impression could have been someone on the toilet. Yeah, I've, I'm pretty cold when I'm on the toilet. But or it would be, it would have been someone on the train who needs to go, like a tube underground train who I'm, needs to go to the toilet. I'm so sorry, but <laughs> I need to pull the cord, both metaphorically and literally. Uh, yeah, now that's me being cold. That's me. Oh, okay, that's me cold. Do you not get cold? Do you want to read? Um... A letter like you've been on on the toilet. I just did. What, what's this one? Have we got one from Argentina? Oh yes, we have. Yes. Why don't I read that one? Go on, you can oh, read this one. Buddy's giving me a hug. Come on, down. I need to pretend to be Argentinian. Right. Okay. What's this? Uh. Wow. Great surname. This one's from Lucina. Uh. What's her surname? Uh, Gia Capuzzi or something. 
Giacopuzzi. Giacopuzzi. Sounds more Italian. Yeah, I can't like do that. Okay. Hello, David and Marek. I've just got done listening to your reviews of The Wolf of Wall Street. As I was saying, saving it until I got to watch the film myself. I was going to watch American Hustle, but since the reviews I've heard about, it were pretty much exactly the same as Marek's. I decided to give another Oscar, ne- Oscar nominee the chance. So I went to The Wolf. I didn't have any definite expectations about it. All I knew was that I should be very careful whom, whom I saw it with because it would probably affect our relationship from then on. Basically, what I'm saying is that it only takes a couple of butt-cock-sniffing scenes to see who your true friends are. Anyway, I thought the film was quite entertaining and some of the slow-motion scenes were really good snapshots of the key elements of the film. But here's why I'm writing. Yes, the film is incredibly misogynistic without redeeming itself, which I think is something you should be very careful about as a filmmaker. There's nothing that will put me off a film faster than gratuitous sexism just to make the male lead stand out. However, since... This film is about depicting excesses and the rise and fall of a money-crazed addict. I thought it didn't really need a moral at the end. I think we should hope the audience understands that. What's more, I don't think a moral at the end would have even fit the film. It would have seemed quite out of place given the nature of it. So, my question to you guys is, do you think it's the duty of every filmmaker or storyteller to teach a lesson to the audience at the end? Can't we just have stories where the viewer is... The one to judge whether it's right or wrong or somewhere in between. I'm an avid listener of the podcast and I'm glad I finally mustered up the courage to write to you. I hope you keep going for a long time, mostly because I'm looking forward to witnessing Marek's slow descent into apathy. <laughs> Much love to you. Ciao. And that is from Lucina. Good question. Um, what you didn't see then, what you can't think of when uh, Day was reading that was his... Left hand was quite remarkable. Gesticulating. I do that whenever I do voice Argentinian. work. It, I'm, Your I, left hand? No, um, it, well, I was holding the laptop with my right hand. It would have been uh, one or the other. I do it when I'm, ever, I'm doing voice stuff, and I think it's from being a drummer, because it's how I understand the rhythm of what I'm saying. So I do it like this all of the time, so, so that singing, I know do what I'm doing. You awful thing when they hit, do the notes. <laughs> oh. No, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I, no, it's something about... I don't know, it's weird, but yes, I was gesticulating. Um, That wasn't me doing an impression of the ethnicity. Um, Should all films have a message or moral at the end? No. Simply put, I think the simpler your story is, the more uh, childlike it is, the more it's like a fairy tale, then yes, it can help to sum up at the end for a more childish or um, emotionally less sophisticated audience, what it was about, what we've learned. I think in kids' films, it, it can be incredibly important not to just have a good time, but be, be learning something along the way. As we get more sophisticated as adults and films that are intended for an adult audience, then we can things don't become so clear. Maybe there's not always a clear lesson to be told. Certainly with my documentaries, I don't like polemic. I, lo- I like to be shown the situation as startling really as possible and then make up my own mind. Mm. And I think the same is true for fiction as well. Mm. Like, I, th- I think when things... The, you can, it's not always about what is left at the end either. I think films can often be, be entirely morally bankrupt as they go through, as they try and, get, they try and have their cake and eat it by saying, well, aren't, aren't these people awful? But isn't what they're doing exciting and fun? It, you know, they they often 
the filmmaker isn't sophisticated enough to get away with it. I agree with you. I think you don't need a moral story. But I think the opposite, and I, I think... Is it Roland Barthes or something? I can't remember when did it. I did it. Someone I studied, some, the only thing I remember from when I read English about this, it's called The Death of the Author. Oh, yeah. So as soon as you put a bit of creativity work out there, I think I spoke about this before, it's no longer yours. It's, yes. all about, it's all about whoever reads it, it's how they perceive it. So it changes, nothing ever can be sort of a solid yeah, thing. Yeah, and if you, if, you know, you can just make something evocative without actually being about anything and people will bring their own interpretations to it and that will be just as valid as, you know, what I do. piece of art. I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. The only thing that annoys me is when I watch a film with which does feel unfinished. So it's almost a lazy. I can't think of examples where, oh, but they, where they cut, where they're almost like, oh, well, you decide what happens. You think, well, do you know what? Because because you couldn't be bothered yeah, yeah. to. It's quite. But again, but again, to play devil's advocate to your advocate, um, it is uh, as Terry I'll devil your advocate in a minute. <laughs> as Terry Gilliams said uh, on numerous occasions, and he's not the only one to have this opinion, is that films that tie everything up nicely at the end don't leave at you with any questions. You know, so therefore they are by their nature less um, provocative, less interesting. They leave you with a happy feeling to go away into the night and never think of that film again. Whereas ones where they leave you thinking are actually potentially more valuable. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. That My absolute bugbear is when a film has been about nothing or has been about something ineptly and then they just add a voiceover over the end to tell you how to feel and what it was all about. And I think that's the the worst of both worlds, where they've 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 made it about nothing, and then add in the end, it was it was friendship that saved my life. And you say, yeah, we got it, we got it. Shut up. I think that's quite a good ending, then. <laughs> to this podcast, it's we, ha- we said it's how, the end. It's how all Danny Boyle films start and end, and I think he's an incredibly talented director, and that particular tool he keeps using I cannot stand because all of his films start with a voiceover and end with one or in the case of um, Slumdog Millionaire with uh, just uh, text but it's doing the exact same job I don't need to be told how to feel at the end of a film I don't so Danny if you're listening please um, please stop doing that stop doing that and in the end the Olympics Um, and there's a there was a some sort of enjoyment some sudden Freudistic enjoyment of my gradual descent towards apathy. Hey, at least it's only a descent towards apathy. I mean, you should be happy with that. I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, your descent's not even successful. I was trying to sound <laughs> apathetic then. Oh, I see. Um, okay. Well, have you been to the? Uh, see, have you seen a film? Well, I've been trying to catch up with um, again more of the Oscar nominations, but. Um, You've covered a lot of the best picture ones. I didn't want to retread old ground. So I watched one of the best foreign language nominations. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, the Danish entry, The Hunt. Oh, I've seen... And this has been... It's quite it's been out for quite a long time, this, Yeah, yeah. I saw it last year. Um, Mads Mikkelsen plays a... It's a Danish film in, in Danish. Um, it's uh, Mads Mikkelsen of Casino Royale fame and uh, Hannibal, the TV series... Um, plays a school teacher who, by a series of unfortunate mistakes, only very few, very slight um, accidents, circumstances, ends up a rumour going around that he has touched one of the kids at the school and it's just that 
spiraling out of control one, in this one small community. One of the community. kids is, uh, sort of falls in love with him and has like an odd relationship with him. Doesn't, doesn't and then know? when he realises that something's going on with her, he quite rightly, you know, says, you know, no, that's 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 only for mummies and daddies, you know, and she doesn't take it well because she's a child. Yeah. So she. Um, so he does the right thing at every point, really. Uh, but and then it just escalates, doesn't it? In, into she makes a, a, she makes up a rumor about him. Uh, does she report him or something? I says that she saw. I mean, it's complicated and, and really harrowingly quite believable. Yeah. Um, and then it's the the witch hunt. The hunt refers to really um, that ensues in this village because people are. In in these cases, because it's so extreme and so heinous a crime, people never want to doubt the child is telling the truth. Yeah, it's, it's quite the scary. It's probably the scariest thing. It completely destroys his life. It's just quite a scary thing. It's the worst thing you can have been accused of being a paedophile. Incredible, isn't it? And and such a tricky subject as well. Yeah. Um. And really, it's I think it's come into. Uh, public consciousness so much because we have by the sheer amount of it we've been forced to address it and discuss it and talk about it for the first time it's clearly gone on you know it's it's been apparent in societies for decades and decades and decades but it's only now that we're actually going well what how do we deal with this yeah well, there was the woodsman with um kevin baker yes which i thought was a really interesting brave film he plays um sex offenders quite often kevin baker yeah he? Uh, when he's not doing EE adverts. No, he plays one in that. They're all all of his characters in his mobile phone adverts. Yeah. Have you seen that one? They is. they only showed it, I think, once, where it's all of Kevin Bacon's characters over breakfast, and it's the woodsman and the screw from Sleepers and uh, the hollow man who was a rapist, of course. And it's all of them oh, together. Was, the hollow man's actually in the adverts. He is, and he's a rapist. <laughs> he's an invisible rapist. rapist. Yeah. Let's take him to the cinema, then. Yeah. Um, and then sit on his lap. That was weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, anyway, Kevin Bacon, poor so, man. So this was I, I, I watched. I watched about six, seven months ago. In fact, it's it's not. An, it's like not an enjoyable film to watch. But it's an incredible film, yeah. isn't it? I I thought Mads Mikkelsen was phenomenal in it. Yeah. And actually, the little girl, I thought I've rarely seen better truthful performances for what's quite a difficult role to play. Yeah. I thought it was very good. I, I can't remember. What, I can't remember that well. It's quite interesting. It's terrifying people using this sort of one one of those words, isn't it? So, like, a paedophilia or racism. I don't think they ever use the word paedophile in the film. Oh, don't they? Interestingly, yeah, they don't. They don't. It's never. That's never mentioned. Yeah. You know, it's it's just slowly. You know, people have no proof or no evidence, but the very fact that the rumor has gone round is the thing that destroys his life. And yeah. He's acquitted, you know, and that doesn't help. Yeah. You know? Um, in the background, Buddy's now playing with some more toys. Well, he's digging in his toy box uh, amongst his noisier toys. Yes. Um, it's really interesting that the sense that kids are aware, like the school of teachers saying kids are aware now mm. of these certain things you, that they can have power over their teachers. They can have such power, you know, that the, and they should be able to. Obviously, there are cases where there are teachers who are paedophiles who, you know, so it's the other way around. But I remember just see, being on a bus once, having, seeing that used, that, seeing it go r- wrong. When I first moved to London about, about 12 years ago, when I got on a bus and then um, these, the two sort of teenage black girls got on and they're being really ag- aggressive. Yeah. And um, I think some bloke told them to be quiet or they sort of pushed them and he pushed them back. And they started accusing him. And, and, and bottom, 
downstairs at the bottom of the bus some people hadn't heard this thing I'd, yeah. I'd seen it all because I was towards, in the seat towards the front and then they started accusing him of being racist and there was nothing he did that was ra- yeah. racist at all that they were just being arseholes and he was acting as if he would yes. towards and, and they started shouting this guy's racist and then the bus driver stopped the bus and other people started chiming in against this bloke wow because they use that buzzword and as soon as, they, as soon as you call someone a racist yeah. they automatically are you know they're in the wrong yeah. they're the criminal here and, and and you also you know there's a there's a basic sort of psychological thing where um you look at that person and their discomfort it, you read as guilt well that's what's interesting in a sort of microcosm of it you yeah. I saw the instant and luckily and I was about to start to say something because I have, I have sort of chipped in before someone um, just in front of me said no he wasn't being racist at all and, and sort of completely was on his side and sort of saw that thing from his perspective yes. but it was a microcosm of someone who shed racism and the other people hadn't seen the, him the previous act automatically sided on the on these two uh, black girl sides even though it wasn't about race at all yeah. but it's fascinating seeing people oh, who didn't yeah, see yeah. what happened and so just... you've seen the hunt on a bus like I've seen the, the race hunt cross for speed. I've seen a, ra- a hunt about racism on a bus in London about twelve years ago. Wow! Yeah, and it was only about five minutes long. I don't think I. What happened that very in well. the end? What happened? Was the guy thrown off the bus? Uh, no, it was a general sort of argument. It soon became apparent after about three or four minutes that these girls were just assholes. Right. And. Uh, they sort of went upstairs and it was just a, and sort of one of those odd non, not proper endings yeah I mean it wasn't a proper ending they just hangs it. over everyone in silence until you get off the bus I wish I said out loud I wish this was ended properly because I don't feel <laughs> I want a proper moral ending so to this it turned incident. out Danny Boyle standing behind you and he just leant into your ear and just went and in the end <laughs> if someone had said that that would have been perfect um I think I'm getting a bit off topic now. So, what else, what else do you think about the hunt then? Well, it's it's um, well, a couple of things. I, it's a spoiler, I guess, is one of the things I think, and I'm in two minds about whether I share it or not. But um, well, I'll say it, and we can always cut it. Um, Just it, do a spoiler alert. It, spoiler alert. It's been out for six months, right? So, um, do watch it. Skip forward thirty seconds. Um, the the one thing I did not like about the film was. I find it a very, very lazy scriptwriter's trope of set up a lovely dog to kill the lovely dog. And they it's seen as um, a filmic trope of a consequence-free killing of a child. Yeah. But the fact it's always consequence-free, no one ever does anything about the fact someone's murdered a dog, uh, just I get... I know I'm a dog owner, so I'm probably more sensitive. You can hear Buddy in the back eating his I bone. I see it. I see it as such a lazy thing to do because American films do it all the time. Yeah. And I thought this film was better than that. But the rest of it, I thought, was absolutely stunning. Uh, my other one question was, was it a bit too... Um, what would be maybe more interesting if Mads Mikkelsen had played a weirdo? Because the fact is Mads Mikkelsen is an attractive... Sort of well adjusted. He's a bit odd looking. I mean, he's played villains mostly yeah, in his life, but he's I, got that twitchy eye thing going on. Can you imagine if it was a proper weirdo who had no? Yeah. Friends? Well, they played that card a bit where he he was um, he split up, split up with his wife and lived alone in a big house, and so he already was a bit of a solitary figure in the village, and so that fed into people's paranoia about him of whether whether we can really know who he is. Um, but it's, I mean, terrifying. Um, to, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 
it for me I found it absolutely sort of chilling like in quite disturbing uh, anxiety inducing of just how on a knife's edge stupid people are to being dangerous you know yeah. or even just not just unsophisticated people people who don't think things through how close they are to just being a mob you know it's 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 it takes the smallest thing to push them over into you can see, into actually rejecting basic humanity you can see twitter is quite um interesting because you get mob people on that yeah yeah there was just i mean there was um Someone on X Factor, I noticed I was looking for it last night, a performer called James Arthur, who said some really ridiculous things, become really unpopular and become like a hate figure. Right. And he was trending, and I looked because there was a ask questions with James Arthur. He's just basically someone who's won a, a singing reality show, X Factor, here in the um, in the UK. And I think he may, had got into an argument, said some inappropriate things online, and become this sort of hate symbol. And then I looked at this art, he obviously did a QA yeah. online. So I clicked on the link on Twitter that was trending. I said, I'm my mum and dad talking about it. And it was just people giving him abuse, like proper abuse, which is actually a mob. Mm. This is a mob of people just attacking someone they don't know and saying... And probably weren't around to read the original posts in the first place. They're just joining in. And they're saying really, you know, posting really horrible things and retweeting and saying, this is what you look like. And probably having a bit of experience of being, you know, having been in the, done little bits on TV, it's terrifying that could happen to you. Yeah, yeah. But these people didn't realise if what they were doing were just proper internet bullying. Yeah. And that's acceptable. Yeah. I mean, it's watching films like The Hunt uh, that, you know, it makes you really sort of appreciate that tenant of innocent until proven guilty, but how few people actually live by that tenant. Yeah. No, really <laughs> chilling, like a properly... Uh, frightening very real story yeah I thought it was good but I don't think it's going to win the thing I've not seen any of the others yet so I I couldn't I couldn't say but um, tricky tricky subject matter Um, but I thought handled very very well how many Davids I'd probably give it um, eight I think yeah I think I'd give it eight Marics from what I can remember. I think I gave it eight Marics last year. At the time, yeah. yeah. Whilst the credits rolled, you looked at Mads in the eyes and went, that's eight Marics, mate. Yeah, because that's the only way to judge films, just purely on a numeric a one. numeric basis. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Ultimate truth. <laughs> um, all right, well, that's, that's us for this week. Um... We haven't done any of the things, so I'll do all the admin at the end. If you'd like to... Um, write to us and uh, have your email read out and potentially discussed uh, in a future episode, then why not email us? Dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. If you'd like to share anything just with the rest of the listeners during the week, then go on to facebook.com forward slash filmfandango or you can um, get all of the latest episodes and try and get a response from us on Twitter at filmfandango or you're more likely to get a response, actually, if you tweet us in person, which is at Marek Larwood or at Mr David Reed. And we do this entire podcast for free. Um, so if you'd like to uh, contribute towards our running costs, um, then you can do so by going to filmfandango.co.uk and following the links from there. And to everyone who has done, thank you very much. It's very much appreciated. You should read the news. Thanks, mate. Um, well, uh, we'll see you next week, or we won't see you, ever. No, you'll hear us next week. Keep 
watching, watching the, the films. films. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.